Great news for Informed Pregnancy Plus subscribers. Dive into our Core Connection course included with your subscription. Hosted by Natalie Headings, a pre- and postnatal exercise specialist and ACSM certified personal trainer, she's an incredible teacher. This five-video series equips you with essential insights to understand what your pelvic floor and core are, how they work, and how to enhance pelvic floor and core strength and proper function during and after your pregnancy and birth. Learn about pelvic floor basics, key postural adjustments, effective muscle releases, and breathing techniques for a healthier core and floor. Don't wait. Visit informedpregnancy.tv and get started with the invaluable core connection today. Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin, and we are back for part two, the afterbirth interview with organic florist, Marissa. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. You had your baby. I had my baby. Congratulations. <laughs> Yay. You look wickedly different. Yes, it's it's a, it's a bit different, isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah. I lost a pound since I saw you last. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, but I need to do your diet plan. I either need to get like... Have a baby or get food poisoning or something. No, that doesn't sound like fun at all. Or I could just eat healthy and exercise and get enough sleep. Yeah, that'll do it. That might be the way to go. Probably. Uh, last time we talked, you were very close to your due date. Mm -hmm. And you were planning to do a hotel VBAC, which I had never really seen before. Mm -hmm. And um, I've lots of people in my world labor in a hotel and then plan to go to the hospital to mm -hmm. deliver. But you were planning to do a hotel VBAC labor and birth. Um, and it's because it was a VBAC because your first baby was in a breech presentation and you had a cesarean birth. Right. Um, how did the rest of your pregnancy go? Well, the rest of the pregnancy after the podcast, it pretty much just looked like pre-labor all the time. <laughs> I had Braxton Hicks really rhythmically for a lot of weeks. And Were they painful? No. Okay, just they, so you just felt contractile just, activity happening. Yeah, yeah, a lot of activity. And then as we got closer at the 37-week, at 38-week, 39-week mark, um, sometimes they would be stronger. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they would go, come together, you know, every 15 minutes for a couple hours, and then they'd kind of disappear. And that's enough to drive a woman mad, especially somebody who knows that birth is very unpredictable and who wanted to plan and really work hard through this whole pregnancy to plan for all the variables that can come up so that when you get surprised or, or get kind of thrown off your game that you can cope with that. That was my, my coping mechanism was, hey, I'm a little bit afraid of that. I'm going to go see my therapist or I'm going to come up with a plan on how to achieve or get around whatever. But to plan for all the variables, you sort of have to have like a tax code of a birth plan. Right. You know, like section 402 Which is impossible. It's impossible. It is impossible. But you're, you're a planner. Planning makes you uh, feel, feel more safe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you, so you did have a lot of elements to your 
to your birth I plan. sure did. I had an A, B, C, D plan, really. Um, you know, I had the A plan with my midwife in the hotel and the B plan with the OB at the, hotel, at the hospital across the street. And then I had a C plan for when he was out of town with another, another OB, OB at a different hospital. At a different hospital. And then I had a D plan, which I actually enacted at 41 week or at 40 weeks. I crossed that 40 week threshold and I started getting really anxious about um, going to 42 and not going into labor. And right when you crossed 40, right when I crossed 40, I got nervous about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and did somebody it, say something that made you nervous? No, or no just I just like, was acutely aware of the fact that my midwife wouldn't be able to deliver me at home after 42. After 42. So you still were two weeks away. I was still two weeks away, but what if and suddenly the what if started creeping up and i recognized that tension that's a california law by the way right that the scope of practice for yeah for and thir- right for home birth is 37 to 42 weeks right and so and then knowing that it was likely that my ob wouldn't at a hospital wouldn't want me to go over as well mm-hmm. i started feeling the pressure of that and that pressure wasn't how i wanted this experience to be i really wanted this experience to be pleasant and and different than the feelings I had over my last one. And you were still working towards the end. Not, I was. Not past 40. Were you working past 40? Not past no, 40, no. no. But like towards the end, you were still towards doing the a end, big I project. Was, I was building a 20-foot live garden wall. <laughs> right. Just a little <laughs> Just a little project. <laughs> wall of garden. Yeah. Yeah. So so I, I found an OB that would deliver me past 42. That was my plan D. That was plan D. Yep, just would in case. You, would you, uh, so at 40 weeks, you went for the... I went and met another OB. Add, add on to your birth plan <laughs> yeah. D just in case. Yep, D just in case, and then and, I could relax. And plan D OB was okay with just being the backup in case you go past 42 weeks? Mm-hmm. That's That's pretty neat. I had a r- bunch of really special people I met through this pregnancy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we hit 40 weeks and a half, and... And I did a, a cervical sweep with my midwife, and then at what does that mean? A cervical sweep? No, just for the audience. Oh right, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, my understanding is where they manually go up and with a finger kind of break the tissue between the bag of waters and the cervix. Okay, so it's a, it's sort of like a almost like an aggressive pelvic exam, vaginal exam. Yeah. Yeah, it's not comfortable, but I definitely, you know, I was ha- I had a very big baby mm-hmm. and I was feeling anxious and Did, we kind of wanted to get this show on the road. Um, your Was your baby measuring big on ultrasounds or your mm-hmm. midwife felt like the baby was big on yes. palpation? Both of the above. <laughs> Both of the above. Okay. I stopped doing ultrasounds because I just didn't want to know any more of the, oh my gosh, your baby's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, because I didn't want it to scare me. People still tell that to my mother. Yeah, really? About me. Yeah. <laughs> it never gets old. Uh, so, so yeah. So at 41 weeks exactly, I had a really yo-yo of a day. I had been having really consistent contractions and then they'd fall off and nothing was very painful. Nothing was kept going. I kept doing – every time i do a chore or focus on something I, that I needed to get done, the contractions would go away. Uh, was anybody checking your cervix? No. Okay. But you, when we did the cervical sweep, I was two centimeters and 50% of face. Oh, okay. Did that feel good to you? I'd never been dilated before, so every little bit counts. It was exciting then. Yeah, it was exciting. You were happy to hear that. Better yeah. than not being Better than nothing. dilated at all or yeah. one centimeter. Your, the cervix was two centimeters full. Mm-hmm. Only eight to go. 
That's right. So, and when was that? That was that was it. Forty weeks and a half. I was two okay. centimeters. And, and then 41 weeks, a few f- days later, was your yo-yo. It was the yo-yo day. Did you have more contractions after this week? Yeah. I had some contractions and some cramping, but nothing that really just got consistent enough to keep going. Okay. Um, I felt like I was never going to go into labor. Did, I was feeling- Did every day feel more pressuresome for you? It, it did. Until um, finally- closer to that 42-week yeah. deadline. Yeah. Yeah, because of, well, and because, you know, you you build this team that then has to shift at 42, it just. And even though you had a 25-page birth plan, you liked page one. I liked page one. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I really wanted that hotel VBAC. So so we had this yo-yo of a day, and, you know, I made dinner, the contractions stopped. We watched a Joe Coy comedy show, the contractions picked up again. (laughs) I love comedy in labor for the right person at the right time. yeah. And then, you know, I put my three-year-old to bed and the contractions stopped again. Oh, boy. And I just got, I got mad. I got furious. And I was mad at everybody who lived in my house. I was mad. I went outside the house and I called my midwife and I vented. And she told me that I could say whatever I wanted to anybody, but maybe <laughs> I should just get a good night's sleep. Uh, I, I would not want to be on the other side of Mad Marissa. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty special looking thing. Well, um, I mean, you're just, you strike me as a passionate person, somebody who feels emotions big. So mm-hmm. when you're happy, very happy. When yeah. you're grateful, very grateful. When you're mad, uh-oh. <laughs> yep, it's true. Um, and so I took most of her advice. I didn't yell at anybody but my husband. Okay. We're, so, we're yeah. usually the ones who get yeah. this. So um, I went inside and I gave him time. a good talking to about, I don't even know what, I was just ticked. And then you feel I, better afterwards. Yep. And then I went into my bedroom to get ready to go to bed, just like my midwife told me to. And um, he, while I was doing that, called my midwife and said, "You know, based on Marissa's attitude, I think we're going to go into labor tonight." Oh wow! Just because you let just, him have it? Yeah, just something. He just sensed it. He just knew from from the way I was acting that it just felt like it was way different than it had been the night before. Um, but he didn't tell you that. He didn't. He called your midwife. Mm-hmm. Just to give her the heads up. Okay. <laughs> and so while I was getting ready for bed, that's when the contractions started. This is 41 41 weeks. weeks on the dot. On the dot. Okay. Yep. And, um, you know, I, you hear all these. I've heard a lot of birth stories where, you know, oh, my contractions started and I made a sandwich. I went for a walk and it was really, you know, just slow starting. And this was not what it was like for me. How was it for you? It was like a freight train. Oh, really? Um, they hit hard and fast, and I was, you know, suddenly between four and five minutes apart. And What time was that? About 8.30 p.m. Okay. And... Um, toddler's asleep. Toddler's asleep. I came out of the room and looked at my husband. I was like, I think this is it. He said, yeah, I know. I'm already, I've already called our hotel <laughs> oh, plan. Oh, really? But they don't have any room for us. Really? So they were all booked up. So first, our first enactment of a plan B, uh-huh. right? Um, so we called our plan B hotel and got a room there. Got all our, our stuff and got gone. Got to the hotel, got into the room, and I started trying all the birth positions that I had practiced. What were you feeling? Excited, grateful. There was pain that I was not prepared quite for. I really thought I was going to be able to meditate my way out of that. <laughs> what, uh, but um, what Did you remember if the pain was in the front, in the back? Yeah, it was mostly in the front. It was it was mostly like a period cramp. 
it wasn't anything worse than I'd ever felt in a bad period. Um, for some reason, I, I, I didn't realize it was going to be that painful that quickly. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we, it made me feel really vulnerable. And, and so we hustled into the hotel room, <laughs> walking through very fancy hotel lobby in labor has to be done almost like a ninja, right? <laughs> you have to time it between contractions so that you can walk straight faced through that lobby and get into that elevator before you have to start breathing, <laughs> ah. right? So there's some, some finesse in the technique there. <laughs> Got up to the room and I started trying all these positions. Um, like that, what? Like hands and knees, like leaning over, like... Um, and now it's just you and your husband. Yeah. And your unborn baby. Yeah. Yep. Now it's just the three of us. Um, I'm, I'm trying all these different positions thinking, oh, you know, I thought I thought I would really like squatting. I didn't like that. Like nothing really felt good or felt even like I could be there for very long. Mm-hmm. Um, so we decided to get in the shower or in the bathtub and try some positions in there. I tried sitting. I hated that. Tried on my knees. I hated that. I tried on all fours. I hated that. Did the water feel good or bad? The f- or? water was soothing as okay. a, an emotional thing, but it didn't do anything for the pain. Um, was it a bigger tub that you can submerge It was a huge in? tub. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was okay. a big tub. That was part of the requirements of any of the, hotels, the hotels on the list. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. nice. Um, so I stood up and standing felt good. Okay. So I stood up and the shower water hit me in the legs and I stood up and I labored. My husband supported me during each contraction so I wouldn't slip. And I stood there for hours. Wow, that's draining. I, yeah, it was, it was, but it was the only place that felt okay. So we just kind of rolled with it, and the time blurred by, and we got to the wee hours of the morning. My midwife arrived. She set up. She checked me. I was at 7. Oh, wow. Do you remember around what time that was? Oh, maybe somewhere between 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. Okay. So about six hours of labor on your own. Yeah. Before she got there. Yeah. When she did she check you right when she got she there? She got there. She got into the groove with us. She listened to the baby. She, you know, checked in with me. She kind of took a moment to assimilate with our rhythm before mm-hmm. we broke out of the bathtub and, and went ahead and checked. And when she checked, did, did you have a number in mind? Like, I think but I might be. They didn't tell me. Yeah. My husband and oh, she didn't? didn't tell me how far along I was. So I know that after the fact. Oh. I didn't know how far along I was in that they didn't moment. Tell you. Yeah, mm. I probably should have demanded to be told, guys. But I don't know if it would have helped or not. Mm-hmm. They said I was pretty far along and we started talking about where I was going to push the baby out. Okay. Um, we thought this was going to progress here in the next couple hours. It was Well, pretty far along even though good. they don't tell you a number. Yeah. That must sound nice. Yeah, I was really happy. Um, I'd been up all night, so I was a little bit sleepy. Mm-hmm. And standing. <laughs> and I'd been standing, so the bottoms of my feet hurt a little bit. Yeah. Um, my but legs I was... are sore Thank just you. hearing you talk about <laughs> yeah. like standing for that long yeah. in that space. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we we got ready for the next stage. And as we started getting ready for the next stage, the sun came up and hmm. I stalled. My contractions slowed way, way down. And we tried some kind of situations where I could rest on all fours and try to maybe sleep between contractions because now they were far apart. Mm-hmm. And we ordered breakfast. And we checked again. Were you hungry? I No, I was kind of nauseous. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, I, I knew I needed to eat. Because you're far, farther along, so. Yeah, I knew I needed to eat probably, but but I didn't, nothing sounded good. Did you eat? I forced a half a bagel down. And did it stay down? Yep. Oh, that's yep. nice. It stayed down. So, you know, we checked again, no progress. Uh-huh. We stomped, we squatted, we started doing, because, you know, now I have plenty of time to recover between the contractions. They're still painful, but now I have time to do, you know, really prepare for whatever the position is going to be. And But no sleep? I mean, was that, if your body was, took a little break, you don't want to? Well, yeah, we tried. We we did, I did some all fours resting on the bed and, and that sort of thing. But each contraction was so strong, it would wake me right up. Mm-hmm. So there just wasn't a lot of sleep to be had. There were micro naps to be had okay um there's something i took it (laughs) i took it and not being standing yeah not being standing yeah although i think the standing worked for me in a lot of ways just i mean that rest from standing yeah yeah it would have been it would have been good to figure out somewhere to be (laughs) to rest my legs a little bit but so then you know lunch we i stomped i squatted i did these funny positions my midwife was having me like press my back into the wall and kind of do like a shimmy. We did, I mean, gosh, we did a lot of, we did a lay on the bed on your side and roll kind of like that um, position in the Bradley book. Can't remember what it's called, but we we tried that one. Um, All the positions, the contractions were very painful, but they were, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten minutes apart. I had lots of time in between. So they really spaced out. Yeah, they really spaced out. Painful in the same place? Painful in the same place. Okay. Yep. Pretty much handleable, but, I mean, I didn't love it. I wasn't in, like, I was great, still grateful for them, though. Mm -hmm. And then um, we ordered lunch. (laughs) Next meal. (laughs) Next meal. Room service, right? Um, Room service. Yeah. And I remember having to, like, quietly groan through my my contractions because I didn't want room service to think something bad was happening in the room as oh, they delivered the food. Yeah, I mean, the hotel we go to, they know that we do that. Oh, yeah, I was so self-conscious about it. And the first couple of times I went, I felt the same way, sort of like, got to hide this, got to be stealth about it. But by the fourth or fifth time that I walked in there, you know, holding the big ball and there's a very pregnant woman panting and out of breath, like either I'm supporting women in labor or we have a bigger problem. Right. So... <laughs> Um, they knew. Like one oh. time he just told me, yeah, we know you're up there laboring. And then also they see us leave at 2.30 in the morning randomly. <laughs> right. Sometimes with all our stuff and never right. come back. So right. That makes f- sense. They figured it out. I'm like, yeah. good job, Captain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. So um, somewhere at sometime after lunch, I'm not entirely sure when, I was – my midwife and my husband were resting and I went into the bathroom and I got the Godzilla of all contractions. Ooh. And Godzilla in what way? Was it long? Was it stronger? Was it on a it different place? It was everywhere. It was a back labor contraction. Your first? My first one. And I shrieked. It startled me. And then my husband came running in thinking something bad had happened. Mm. And um, I was startled by the sound I'd made. And oh, really? was, And then said, it was my back, my back, my back. And I, it was just, it, it was such a zinging pain that went from the lower part of my back all the way up to my shoulder blades and all the way down oh, to wow. my knees. Um, and it was a spasm, like the whole backside of me contracted with the contraction. But after the contraction passed, it stayed in spasm. Oh, no. That's the worst. And so... So no relief between the contractions now. There was very small relief between uh-huh. the contractions because this 
this spasm was so long. Uh Um, So there was sort of a refocusing then. And my husband was like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, but oh my goodness, what are we going to do? I'm like, that was intense. What are, I'm not going to be able to do that for another 24 hours. Like I haven't progressed still. We did another check right before that, and I still hadn't still progressed. Seven I was still seven centimeters. Do you know what time it was now? Sometime after lunch. Okay, so like... Yeah, two. Two, so... We'll make it up, two. Sort of 12 hours after your midwife got there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my husband was like, okay, well, let's not worry about how long you're going to do this. Let's just worry about the next hour. Fair enough. So we wrapped the belly up and got dressed and climbed the stairs at the hotel and went to the rooftop and did laps around the roof and then came back down. Were the contractions you were having during that They started getting a the, little bit closer together maybe. Were they But now always in your back too? Every contraction. Every contraction. But not like Godzilla. Just like Every contraction was like Godzilla. Godzilla, really? Wow. Everyone. So Ouch. what started to happen over the course of the next – hour and then two hours as we took it one hour at a time, um, is I moved from being grateful for the contraction to working through the pain to dreading the contraction and rubbing my back. Like I would rub my sides and my husband would be rubbing my back. So I'd have four hands on me every contraction trying to rub my back and stop the spasms and nothing was helping. Was this when I started talking with your midwife? I think she called I think she checked in with you when I was just stalled. Mm-hmm. And then it like we started seeing maybe a greater need. Um I don't actually know when she was contacting you. I had just retired from going to births. I know. I was not on call anymore. My heart was deeply with you because I'd been with you for I since know, early since in your early, pregnancy. Early, yeah. On your whole journey as your birth plan unfolded. And um, when she said back labor and stall, I was like, I want to be there so badly to help you. And I just had patience. I know. I was in the office like 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon with patience I until 7 o'clock. In hindsight, I should have just gotten dressed in the morning after breakfast and come to sleep. Come like, over. The, minute, the yeah. minute it looked like I was just stalling before the back labor hit, I probably should have just come to see well, you. hindsight is helpful. Hindsight, but, right. But I was, you know, and and I also, I, I was like, and at some point, I think this was your birth, I she was on the phone and then I heard some, con, you know, like a woman in labor in the background. And she's like, you don't have to come if you don't want to. And then all of a sudden I was like, ah! I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm going yeah, to go out for pizza and a salad. It was definitely one of those very strange things. And um, we were starting to, to try to develop a plan on how to manage through this. And the pain had we I mean gosh now it's 5 p.m. right and so we've been doing back labor for a couple hours I've made it a couple hours and it's not getting better it's getting worse I've been rubbing my own back so hard during each one of these contractions that my skin is now peeling oh and so you can't even do it really I can't even I'm doing it anyway another problem yep I'm doing it anyway I'm just like pour the oil on I'm doing it and um I just didn't I we were kind of stuck. We all kind of felt stuck and we were coming up with all these plans on, you know, bringing in another doula to help take some pressure off my husband. We everybody was exhausted and you know, my midwife and my husband were really supportive in trying to keep us in this hotel berth cuz both of them knew I really didn't want to go to plan B. Didn't want to go to the hospital. 
But I had this moment where my body hit one more of those back labor contractions and I slipped into fight or flight. And I just felt my body go really rigid and my mind went to all of these very dark and scary places that had to do with what your body does in fight or flight, which is life or death feelings and and hopeless feelings. And I realized I wasn't in the headspace I wanted to be in in order to have a different experience. That this was going to be, even if I stayed in this hotel and gritted through five more hours, ten more hours of back labor, that when the baby finally came out, I was not going to be okay. I was going to have another negative experience. Mm -hmm. And I wanted more than anything to have a different experience this time. Hotel labor was what I thought was going to get me there. But in this moment, I realized, I was like, this isn't going to get me there now. We're going to have to change the game. We're going to have to shift this and get out of this in a, and stop this pain so that I can can relax. And, and our listeners can't see you. Mm-hmm. And even they can see you, they, they can't feel you. You're, you are very strong. Like you're an, you're an athlete. You've been yeah. an athlete your whole life. And so your body's very, very strong. You have very strong muscles. So when you go into fight or flight, that's a big, strong response. It's all of those very strong muscles tightening yeah. up and trying to protect you from something, mm-hmm. which in this case is your baby coming. Right, which and is so the opposite of what we need to happen. Your body is fighting your baby from mm-hmm. coming down. Yeah. And that can't feel good either physically or emotionally and together must feel yeah. really what bad. What I am I'm happy about is I think I recognized it pretty quick. Mm-hmm. I went, oh, we are no longer in like just dealing with the pain, working it out, la-la land, pregnancy land. We are now in fight or flight and I need to not be here. Yeah, and sometimes that's described as the negative emotional response, mm-hmm. which is different than pain. That's like sort of the beginning of suffering. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's it, it's one thing to sort of plow through pain because you know it's pain for a good cause, but suffering is a different story. Right. So now, you know, and we've been doing this for 24 hours now. Now it's 8 o'clock-ish. Yep. And so, well, it's, it's 5 o'clock when I make the choice and then the gathering up of things and the getting to the ho- – the hospital. And by the time I got to the hospital, they get me through very quickly. They were lovely. Uh, taking um, you in. Taking me in, doing the Totally different papers. hospital than your Totally first different birth. hospital than the first time. They get me through everything really quickly. We get that epidural in. I start with a walking epidural. And I was, you know, I've heard these stories where women say, I need the epidural. And it takes them like five hours to get. Mm-hmm. This took very very little time. We were up and at them quickly. They have a um, couple of people at the hospital you went to, a couple of anesthesiologists on the L&D floor at all times. Yeah. Yeah. I was grateful. I was really grateful. Um, and I felt it work its way down my back and my body relaxed. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think I'm going to be okay. And I, it was like suddenly I was no longer in this very dark place. I was, I was going to be okay. And then we laid down on the bed, and I was like, okay, we're going to get a little rest here. My husband and midwife are staying, standing there talking to me. And I make this joke. I go, oh, you guys, the drugs just hit my vagina. And both my midwife and my husband start laughing, and I start laughing. And I go, oh, wait, wait, you guys, you guys, something just came out. What? Something big just came out. You need to check. And they were like, no, no, it's you're just you're feeling the drugs. I was like, no, no, no. No, really, you need to come check. Okay. 
Why don't we take a break? <laughs> okay. And uh, I can't wait to hear what happens next. Don't go away. We're going to be right back to hear the rest of Marissa's story on the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by an innovative product that's made a big difference for parents and babies alike. Dr. Mom Butt Bomb. As a parent of four, I've had my fair share of battles with diaper rash, often resorting to thick, unpleasant pastes. I only recently discovered Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, and I was immediately impressed by its pleasant consistency and ease of application. This pediatric-approved skin protectant is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, making it perfect for your baby's sensitive skin. It's designed by a doctor who's also a mom, ensuring your little one gets the gentlest care. A small dab is all it takes to soothe and protect, avoiding the mess and hassle of traditional treatments. With ingredients like dimethicone and petrolatum, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb not only soothes, but also restores your baby's delicate skin. Available on Amazon.com and Walmart.com, it's the smart choice for every parent wanting to keep diaper rash at bay. Remember, with Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, nothing comes between you and your baby. Not even diaper rash. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. We're back with Marissa, who's sharing her experience with her planned hotel VBAC that just moved to the hospital. And shortly after you get there, they move you through quickly. You get an epidural. By the way, what does that feel like um, to you? It, you can I could literally feel it moving through my veins. The I mean, like the mechanical. A lot of people are afraid of what it feels like to have the needle go into you and yeah, things like that. I didn't love that part. Um, it kind of is like a poke or a sting. Um, but it's not any worse than a bee sting. Okay. And compared to the Godzilla of all contractions yeah, that you've been having. I was, I was okay with it. The way you say it was like, eh, it was a poke. It was it a poke. It seems like it wasn't a big deal compared yeah. to other things at the time. No, the biggest, the biggest worry the whole time for me was they need to get this poke done between contractions. Right. Because if I have a contraction while they're trying to poke me, this is going to get awkward, fast, or dangerous, possibly. Like, they're going to have a needle in my back, and I'm going to have to not rub my back or not move. Not even and, move, and, so that they don't end up in the wrong right, place. Right, and that this is, these contractions are pretty excruciating, so. That always, when I see it happen, it's like the timing is so important. The timing so important. was really important. Um, yeah. So soon after you got the epidural placed, you feel the numbness coming yes. down your body all Thank the way God. down into. <laughs> yeah, all the way down into my nether regions, and. I I was so happy, and then something came out from between my legs. Like, I laid down on my side, and not a small item passed. Was it? It. I was afraid it was my baby. I was like, you guys, something came out. What is it? It's not crying, so it's not a baby, <laughs> but, like, what just came out? And they came over and looked, and my entire bag of waters intact came out. What? The whole bag? The whole bag. The whole bag. Just like a balloon, a water balloon? It looked balloon? like a water balloon. Yep. You just saw it laying there on, on I, the... Yeah. I mean, I couldn't see it because I was up high and my belly was in the way. You know, My head is up high. My eyes are up high and I'm laying down. But 
But yeah, my I have pictures. My husband took a picture and showed it to me. And of a and water balloon, not just you, you gave birth to a water balloon. <laughs> I, gave, I gave birth to a water balloon. Oh, um, congratulations! Thank you. It yes. is different than your first birth. Yes, yeah, very different. Very <laughs> so different. Far. And you know, like I didn't even know that was a possibility. I thought it mm. came out in the afterbirth. I had no idea that there was a chance it would come out all intact in the. I've in never the seen that happen. I've been yeah. through a lot of births. Yeah, it was a little weird. It's a little weird. I want to see those pictures. <laughs> I'll send, I'll send <laughs> you those curious. pictures. They're they're a little strange looking. Um, so of course, then the nurse went and got a couple second opinions on what to do <laughs> about this thing because there was still a couple little pieces of it attached. And so should they pull it out or should they leave it there? And hmm. they decided to let it finish its rupture on its own and come out the rest of the way on its own. So it got to lay there between my legs for an hour. <laughs> oh, really? That's so <laughs> unusual. Yeah, it was was weird. Um, so the whole point was to sleep, or at least that's what I thought, um, was to get this epidural, sleep, relax, and then you know, push the baby out. My OB came in with a joke. He's so funny. He's a very comical guy. I love doing births with him. Yes. And he, he came in. He made some wise <laughs> wise comment, wise-ass comment. And, <laughs> and then he said, okay, so here's the deal. I'm going to go home, have dinner with my kids, and then I'm going to come back, and you're going to be fully dilated, and you're going to do like one push, and this baby's going to come out. And I was like, you know what? I locked onto the plan. I needed a plan. That was a plan. You're a planner. That was exactly the plan I wanted. So I just, I believed him and that was how it was going to be. And I didn't question it after that. Um, so he took off and I tried to sleep. But the contractions in the walking epidural, I could still feel them strong enough that I couldn't sleep. So we have a whole episode about uh, medical pain relief options with the head of obstetrics at the hospital you were at. His mm-hmm. name is Dr. Mark Zakowski. And he kind of explains how a walking epidural, normally your epidural has two drugs in there. There's an, at least, there's an anesthetic and an analgesic. The analgesic is the pain blocker and the anesthetic blocks other types of sensation. So in the walking epidural, they give you analgesic, but not as much. So mm-hmm. you still feel some of the intensity, but not all of it, mm-hmm. and um, either very little or no anesthetic. So you can still feel other sensations like pressure, but you can also feel the floor against your feet, and you can kind of walk around and move if your legs don't get too jello-like. Mm-hmm. So you started with that, I and if, with at that. any point you need to convert, they just put the rest of the medication, and there you go, totally numb. Right. Um, on that one, were you able to feel that you were having contractions? On the walking one, I was able to feel that I was having contractions. Um, were you feeling it not Godzilla-like anymore? It, or? There, was, there was very little pain, okay. but I still had to breathe through them. Okay. So you couldn't um, just sleep through I, them. So I couldn't sleep. And f- Were I they had, still in your back? They were no longer in my back. Okay. Yeah. Had the baby, do you know when you got in, was the baby positioned posterior against it your back? It was not posterior okay, as far as we know ever. still had back labor. Okay. Yeah. Which happens. Which happens. Yeah. I, as far as we know, he was never posterior. I think he was well positioned most of the time, but maybe tilted a little forward. Who knows? I, I okay. don't really know that part. But I do know that um, for some reason I had convinced myself that I needed to sleep. And I wish I wish that I had not. It's the only regret I have is that I wish I had not thought I needed to sleep because in not being able to sleep with the walking epidural, I went ahead and had them bump me up. The, to to the, the full, full epidural. epidural. So that you could sleep? So that I could Because sleep. you thought you needed to sleep. Because you've been up for over I, 24 hours. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I was up the full day and then, and then almost sorry. a full 24 hours past that. So we're talking 36, 
40 oh, hours of awakeness now. And not just awakeness, but, you know, Hard intense labor. labor yeah. yeah, yeah. So I thought... I would have thought you might might have benefited might, from sleep. Yeah, right? No, did they check your cervix before giving you the epidural? They did. I was at an eight. Okay, so you, you had moved. I had The glass progressed. was eight centimeters full. Yes, eight centimeters full. Um, so I was relieved that I only had a little bit to go. When you went from the hospital, from the hotel to the hospital, mm-hmm. was there any part of your mind, and you're in a darker place anyway, but was there any part of your mind that felt like this is go- going to be another cesarean? Yeah. I was I was fully prepared that this could end not in just a, a cesarean like I had last time, but this could be an emergency cesarean where they might even have to knock me out. Mm-hmm. And I was... Which is very rare. Which is very rare. But I was, you know, I was emotionally prepared that this could be the beginning of, of a very sad, failed VBAC story. Oh, plan you know, ZZ. ZZ, right? Yeah, I was very I was very aware that that could happen. And there was a small amount of me that had a fight ready for that, for anything that came. But then I also had my husband and my midwife there with me who made me feel like... So I had people who had my back, and my OB was I on board. Had your back. Hmm? I should have had your back. You had my back. You had my back. And I wasn't there for your back. Well, wh- I don't know that anybody could have fixed that. No, I know. But when you said had my back, it made me feel like I'm the back guy. You are. You're, <laughs> you're a back guy. That's uh, true. So when you got there and you were eight, did that sort of take some of that away? Like, okay, I'm still progressing. Mm-hmm. And then when your doctor said... I'm just going to come back and push this baby out. Yeah, I was pretty convincing. I was in a totally different headspace. Uh, I was just like once the pain stopped being in my back and I knew that I was progressing. I knew the baby was probably like I decided that the baby was going to come soon now. I just it was like I didn't even I went from from one end of the spectrum to the other emotionally just as soon as the back labor was no longer part of the equation. Nice. So uh, when you convert to the full epidural, then do you feel nothing? Um, no, I can still feel contractions, but I can sleep through them. Okay. Did you sleep? So I slept for 30 minutes, but then... Ooh. Went, <laughs> <laughs> but this is the part where I, I regret going up to the next level of epidural because as time went on, it got stronger and stronger and stronger. I lost all feeling. Mm-hmm. I could feel when I was having a contraction barely in just minor muscle twinges, but really I couldn't feel very much at all. And I couldn't feel my toes. I couldn't feel my ankles. I couldn't feel my knees. I couldn't feel my legs. Did that bother you? It really bothered me. Okay. And so I call, you know, and the nurses, every contraction, the monitors would go off because they would lose the baby's heart rate. They couldn't find it with the monitors. And so then the nurses would come in and and bug me and reposition me. So so I never got to sleep anyway. Not sound sleep. Yep. So so there's never any really good sleep to be had. And I lost feeling, which kind of bothered me. I wanted to feel it still. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had them. I bugged them. Gosh, those poor people. I, now I wanted it turned down. First I want it turned up. Now I want it turned down. They turned it down twice and I never regained feeling. Oh, really? So that it's the only thing, you know, if I had to do over again, given the same set of cards, the only choice I'd make differently. You'd stick with the walking. I'd stick with the walking. Yeah. So, okay. What happens next? So next, um, a resident comes in Mm -hmm. and he's wide-eyed and bushy-tailed and maybe a little wet behind the ears. Just to check on you? Yeah. He just wants to come in and see how it's going. And he, he, he asks us some questions. We tell him kind of what our story's been like up until this point. And he hears that I've been seven centimeters for 12 plus hours. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And he starts talking about failure to progress and, you know, what interventions we may not need to consider next. Really? And he, it's. Is he the first person to mention? He's the first person to mention that to me. Mm -hmm. He didn't check you again. Not yet. And he's, he's not. It's not that I'm not aware of all those things. I just don't believe in them. And like failure to progress, I think is is unless the baby's in distress, I think we just keep trying. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least for me, I'm just if the baby's fine, I'm gonna just keep trying mm-hmm. um, as long as I can. So at this point now, I haven't had sleep. I just got peace <laughs> and and relief. And I turn to this young man. Oh, this poor young man. <laughs> and I look him straight in the eyes and I say, Look. I am not having that conversation with you. I will have that conversation with my OB and no one else. And it was like period, end of story. And I just stood there and watched him. And he was like, okay, I'll I'll talk to your OB with, about it then. I was like, thank you very much. Message, uh, message received. received. <laughs> You've got mail. Yes, <laughs> yes. So he left the room, um, maybe skittering. <laughs> and... Um, my husband and I traded a look, though, because we both were worried that this was going to be like, you know, this is the path now that starts to unfold where where we we maybe we haven't progressed. We don't even know. We've only been there two hours under the epidural or so at this point. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that you know, your doctor didn't mention anything about that, said, I'm going to go home and have dinner and come back and push this baby out. And then a resident came in without any more data and just started going down that yeah, road with he you. Was just really eager, I think, to talk the talk and do his job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, I think that's probably all it was. And, you know, maybe it was really good that he had me for a birth. <laughs> maybe he'll <laughs> he know did, better he next did, time. He's there to learn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, they came back an hour later and checked. Who's that? Uh, he, the resident. Okay. The resident came back with a nurse and, and checked me an hour later and I was complete. Oh, First of all, had he talked to your doctor at all? I don't know. He didn't mention it. Okay. But he also didn't mention failure he, to progress. He didn't mention that again, no. <laughs> and then he was, I think he was relieved too. That you were that ten, I was complete. 10 centimeters. Okay. Yep. We did a practice push. Mm-hmm. And then he said, okay, well, I'm going to go call your doctor. And then he went to adjust something on the bed. So he was a little bit lower than my eye level. And I looked down at him. I said, I am so glad that I'm complete. Because let me tell you, failure to progress are fighting words. <laughs> and he kind of, I just wanted him to to know that because, you know, lots of women are going to have that sort of situation. And it's good for them to learn, to, like as residents, to be a little bit gentler. It's hard balance for him. I think yeah. sometimes, you know, whether it's hospital staff, the people around you that are there to support you, um, never want you to be taken by surprise mm-hmm. if you end up going down a more interventive path, mm-hmm. and sometimes you need time to to process that or benefit from time sure. to process it. So, um, how it's presented makes a huge difference. But sure. um, you know, it's it's delicate, and everybody's just different. So, mm-hmm. some people would want to know that at that point, or uh, for you, it just sounds like you just took it as like motivation to be like, "All right, I'm gonna squeeze off those last two centimeters." Right. <laughs> well, right, and well, it's not like I w- had never heard of failure to progress, or I was totally unaware of of what the category I probably was finding myself in. But I also had built a relationship with my OB for this reason, Mm -hmm. so that I wasn't going to come in and have a complete stranger come in and try to tell me how this was going to go. Right. 
You put a lot of effort into yeah. picking your obstetrician. Yeah. And you picked an obstetrician who's very hands-off unless it's time to be hands-on mm-hmm. in a way that residents can't because they don't have enough experience to know mm-hmm. when to jump into action yeah. and when they can leave things alone. Yeah. So, and he was very sweet and he actually ended up being the one front and center delivering my baby. Your resident? My resident. Yeah. My my cute little resident guy. Um, so my OB arrived and... With my husband on one side and my midwife on the other, the resident front and center and the OB right over his shoulder, we did our first round of pushing. And they- What was it like? Well, I couldn't feel anything. Nothing. Nothing. Oh, boy. Which was frustrating for me because I'd really wanted to I feel that. I wanted to, yeah. Um, but I pushed with all my might because they were saying, push, 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 push. So I was pushing. Oh, boy. I was using every muscle I could find to feel to push. Uh-huh. Um, and everybody seemed to be really excited after that first round of pushing. And I was feeling really proud, like beating my chest, like, yeah, I did it. <laughs> and then I looked over at my midwife and she kind of gave me this facial cue to remind me that we had talked about relaxing in the pushing stage and breathing the baby out and letting the contraction do a lot of the work to avoid tearing. And so we got ready for our next round of pushing. And... Everybody ramped their, their yelling up, ah, push, 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 push. And I looked over at my midwife and I pushed really hard for a count of one, two, and then I kept my push face on <laughs> and I relaxed every muscle I could find Aww. and let the contraction do the work. You did fake pushing? I did fake pushing. <laughs> but you don't want to just tell people, hey, I'm going to do my relaxy push? No. No. It was just, you just know. Just between you and the midwife. Just between me and her in that moment. Now everybody who's ever listened to this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right. So we did two more rounds like that. And then um, so three rounds total of pushing. And I turned and I looked at my husband. God, I wish I'd had a video camera or audio tape going at that moment because I made a joke. And it was funny. And the nurse and my husband laughed. And I'm not that funny of a person. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And they laughed. And then I laughed. And then there was a commotion. And the baby was out. Whoa. No contraction, Wait, you, just a laugh. You, you laughed your baby out? I laughed my baby out. That's that's a fun way to get your that's baby out. That's a fun out. way to get your baby that out. That wasn't even on the birth plan. It wasn't on the birth <laughs> plan. <laughs> nope, it wasn't, wow. it wasn't on the birth plan. Uh, there was a commotion down there. Suddenly they're handing me my baby. And it was it was sort of like, whoa, okay, this is, hap- this is, we're done. We're done. And you didn't feel it? Nope. I didn't feel but it. But you must have immediately seen I saw that I saw my baby and it was wonderful and he was not small (laughs) I could tell when he was on my chest my first baby was seven pounds two ounces um he was not that size (laughs) okay but he hadn't been measured yet he hadn't been measured yet I didn't know but did anybody say whoa that's a big baby no no. nobody said anything no comments no comments I had not stuck at all I mean you just laughed him out yeah I laughed him out there he was was you it know? surreal to have him on your chest and it was, have him come out of you that way? It was really surreal. It was sort of amazing. Um, it was, I I don't even have words. I, I did it. I thought about it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I did it. There he is. Wow. And then I just 
honestly got lost in the moment and was in that moment looking into his eyes, kind of like the same way I was with my first, where the commotion of what was going around in the room kind of faded away, and I was right there with him. And then I had to sort of come out of that moment to remind my resident that I wanted my placenta to deliver itself. Instead of instead of kind of pulling on it and helping it helping it come out, I didn't want any help, and um, to remind him too that I didn't want any pitocin, um, unless I looked like I was hemorrhaging, I didn't want any. And then I went back back to my little blissful moment, you know, popped my head up. Reminded, <laughs> sent a couple of reminders out there, uh, and then back and then business. back back to baby. My husband got to cut the cord. Uh, it was pretty cool. Um, and we just got to kind of sit there and and bask in the glow of this. You worked beautiful so child. hard for that. Yeah. From from even before you got pregnant the second time. Mm-hmm. You worked so hard. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was great, and I have to say that the hospital we were at had um they really in the postpartum part they really did everything right in the way that the last experience i had nurses that just were not in agreement with me and it was just constantly butting heads all of the the labor nurses the postpartum nurses all of them were so so wonderful um and it really makes a huge difference you know you see your ob just a little bit those nurses make a huge difference. Yeah, they're there with you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of telling that one of your least favorite parts of your birth is that nobody recorded the joke that you told. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the joke that got him out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's true. And it's a joke. Yeah. Nobody remembers. Maybe nobody it'll come remembers. back. Maybe we do EMDR with the midwife or something. Yeah. Get it know. back. We'll see. I'm so curious now. Me too. <laughs> Me too. It must have been good. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, we so how big was he? Nine pounds, four ounces. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's a healthy little bugger. He's a healthy little bugger. Yep. He was not a small baby. Um, did you have tearing? I had a really small first degree tear that probably didn't need a stitch, but because I also have a three-year-old, we decided to go ahead and have a single stitch just to help me along. Mm-hmm. With the recovery, you mean? Mm-hmm. How was recovery? Recovery was interesting, so much easier emotionally and physically than it was with the C-section in that I could stand up on my own, I could carry the baby, I could be involved emotionally because, you know, I'm really reactive to pain meds and so I didn't have to be on any. Um, Mm. So that was... Nothing? I took a little ibuprofen. Wow. I think I took more than that after my first child was born. (laughs) By the way, talking about laughing a baby out. Yeah. Our first was about 42 hours. Our Uh second was only two. From the time we got to the hospital, it was like 20 minutes. Wow. Mostly navigating hallways and elevators. And we got into the room and and the first room, they, they saw she was like, Close, and they just said, "Let's bring her into the first room." And for I don't know exactly why, maybe the other rooms were full. It was uh, an operating room, and as people were going in, they were giving everybody this little scrubby jumpsuit. They said, "Because we're going to be in an operating room, you got to wear these scrubs." Now our doula is tiny; she went in, just zip it up. Everybody who went in, they just zip it up, and and then they give me this little one-piece disposable scrub suit, and like here, zip it up and come on in. But I'm sort of, even though it says one size fits all, I think it meant to say one size fit many. 
but not all. I'm a big guy. And I was even bigger then. I was like, I don't think this is going to fit. She's like, it's one size fits all. And it's a hospital. Actually, it's where you had your first baby. Mm-hmm. And so you don't know the doctor. It's just whoever's there. And I'm trying to like zip it up and it just shreds into a million pieces. Oh, no. So I like tap open the door. I'm like, I don't want to miss the birth, but that thing doesn't fit. She's like, it's one size fits all. And then I threw in like the confetti pieces that it turned in. <laughs> So the resident came out, and she was sort of helpful. She opened up this cabinet. She's like, here, just put on these. And she took out, um, like, a surgical cap and two little booties and this thick pink nursing nightgown. Oh, nice. And she says, just put this on. I'm like, why did, Why the get-up? She's like, it's an operating room. It's a sterile environment. I'm like, but we're not doing surgery. Like, my wife's not in a get-up like this. And she's like, yeah, it's protocol. Just put it on. So I put it on, and there's, like, slits over my my man boobs. Mm-hmm. I'm like, don't the bacteria know there's little holes here that I can get in on? And uh, long story short, I put on my thick pink nursing nightgown, and then I go to put on the booty over my giant size 14 white shoe, and it won't fit. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to miss my stupid birth over this. So oh, my I, goodness. I t- I'm like, do you guys have any pink slippers to go with my nightgown? Because the booty's not going to fit. And she's like, just stretch it and pull. I'm like, it's not gonna, it's not going to work. Uh, and then I realized the hat and the booty are very similar, so maybe the hat's a little bigger, and it did. It fit my shoe, so I opened the cabinet where she got I got another hat for my other <laughs> shoe, and I went to get one more hat for my head, but they had no more hats left. So I, my only choice was to put the booty on my head. <laughs> and when I finally had it all done, I was so happy and proud of myself. I pushed open the door and kind of ran in there yeah, and literally slid like you're sliding into home plate and fell down on the floor. Oh, God. And because apparently the hat does not have tread on the bottom for the highly polished floor in the operating (laughs) room, and the booties do, but the booties on my head. Mm -hmm. And so on the way down, I just instinctively reached for the closest thing, which was this big tray full of surgical tubes that just came all crashing down with Mm -hmm. me. Everybody's looking at me like, are you okay? Mm -hmm. Even though my wife is having a big contraction on the table. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm physically, I was fine. Emotionally, I was very, very bruised. And I kind of crawled over on my hands and knees to get next to her, got up, looked at her, and her eyes were closed. And I'm like, honey, you're doing amazing. I'm so proud of you. You know, you're so strong. And and she opened up her eyes just to, like, acknowledge that I exist. And when she saw me wearing <laughs> that thick pink nursing nightgown with a booty on my head and two hats on my feet, she laughed so hard. Baby Dina literally almost knocked over the doctor on the way out. <laughs> You know, so fast. And, and of course, we do actually have a picture of that. That's awesome. Um, yeah. I think I, I can, if I can recommend it, laughing the baby out is definitely the way to go. It's the way to go, yeah. Yep. It started, you know, the, the I can say we kind of started and ended this labor with laughter in that That's we so beautiful. watched the, the comedy show that day right before going into active labor and then, and then laughed at the end, so... Amazing! Yeah. I'm so happy for you. I know. Did you did you find the experience therapeutic? I found it empowering in that I feel like there. If I ever have another baby, um, and the jury's still out on that, mm-hmm. I'm only six weeks post- yeah, I mean, postpartum. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I need to catch up on some sleep before we make that decision. But I don't think there's anything that could scare me at this point. Do you know what you would plan? What kind of birth? Yeah. I think my plan would probably be pretty similar to what I had this time. It worked. That plan worked. Mm-hmm. You know, even if we went to plan B, that plan B was in place. I always say a birth plan is a flow chart. Yeah. It has a page one. This is if everything goes exactly according to plan, this is how I'd like it to be. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, if this happens, we'll go here. And if this happens, we'll yeah. go there. Yeah. And with that kind of fluid 
openness and, and forethought, I think you, you can't go wrong. Like when you end up in a cesarean, if that was part of your plan, then you followed your plan all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, you followed your plan. Your plan didn't fail. Mm-hmm. I think one of the other thing it did for me is is have a sort of newfound appreciation for Western medicine in a way that I didn't have before. Um, that That epidural was absolutely necessary to the process and the experience that I wanted to have. And if you had asked me months before having the baby if an epidural was going to be important to the experience I wanted to have, I probably would have told you the epidural was not part of the experience I wanted to have. So I think it gives me a more openness and fluid perspective on the world of medicine. Yeah. I think that's really important also for listeners to hear. Like the epidural is not the bad guy. Yeah, it was it was um, a wonderful experience, and I had wonderful people like you helping me along the way. Well, it was a real honor. Um, I think all of those interventions are great. The fact that we have them available to us is magic. It's just I think when we overuse them or push them on people who don't want them and don't need them that we sometimes end up doing more harm than good. And so I'm so glad in your case that you were able to pre-think through your birth plan and and go at the time that you felt you needed to for your plan B and C and that the epidural was, was there for you and helped you and have a great experience. Yeah. Um, I'm so deeply grateful for you t- to you for sharing your story, your personal story with us. And I know that people listening will have been through similar stories and relate to you. Um, And people listening will probably be in the middle of a pregnancy planning something similar. I don't know if it'll be a hotel VBAC. Hey, you know. I'll say this. If you're listening at home and you have a hotel VBAC, um, share it with us at infoandinformedpregnancy.com. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, Go to our website and check out our blog documentaries and YouTube series at informedpregnancy.com. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a whole lot of questions for you. This kid's gonna test my will. I got a lot to learn and my baby. This episode is sponsored by an innovative product that's made a big difference for parents and babies alike, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb. As a parent of four, I've had my fair share of battles with diaper rash, often resorting to thick, unpleasant pastes. I only recently discovered Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, and I was immediately impressed by its pleasant consistency and ease of application. This pediatric-approved skin protectant is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, making it perfect for your baby's sensitive skin. It's designed by a doctor who's also a mom, ensuring your little one gets the gentlest care. A small dab is all it takes to soothe and protect, avoiding the mess and hassle of traditional treatments. With ingredients like dimethicone and petrolatum, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb not only soothes, but also restores your baby's delicate skin. Available on Amazon.com and Walmart.com, it's the smart choice for every parent wanting to keep diaper rash at bay. Remember, with Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, nothing comes between you and your baby. Not even diaper rash.